Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Caged In, the podcast where week by week, film by film, we go through the career of Nicolas Cage to find out if he is the one true God or is he committing sins against cinema. Along this journey, I get a guest each week to try and decipher what is going on in these films and I ask them a series of questions. Firstly, are they Nicolas Cage fans? What was their first Nick Cage film experience? And what is their favourite Nicolas Cage film? As well as my unique scoring system, which is, does he have bad hair? Does he do a crazy voice? And does he freak out? Make sense of the mess that is the 2017 film Southern Fury, or for our American listeners, Arsenal is Welsh funny man Dan Thomas. This film somehow plays as a sequel to the 1993 film Deadfall, directed by Nicolas Cage's very own brother, Christopher Coppola. However, you don't have to have seen that film, and you don't have to have seen this film to enjoy this episode, because me and Dan go into completely spoiler detail of this film however if you do if you do feel so compelled to watch this film feel free to you can pause the podcast right now and luckily for you if you're in the UK you can stream this film completely for free on Amazon Prime Video if you have that obviously not completely free because there is a monthly fee but you know what I mean. And in the US, you can stream this on 2B or IMDb TV. So if you're with us, if you're continuing on this journey, if you haven't paused this, if you haven't felt completely and utterly compelled to watch this film, then enjoy this conversation with Dan Thomas. <laughs> This week, we have something that nobody asked for. No, I'm not talking about another episode of this podcast, but Nick Cage prizing his role as Eddie King from 1993's Deadfall. 
Adrian Grenier, Jonathan Shurek, and John Cusack star in Southern Fury, a blood-soaked tale of two brothers, one kidnapped, and the other one, I would say desperately, but trying to get him back. To find out his whereabouts and who's behind all of this, I'm joined by comedian, writer, actor, Welshman, and frequent yeah. Smirsh Pod podcast contributor, Dan Thomas. How are you, sir? I'm very well. Good evening, everyone. Well, it's just you, obviously, right now. But, you know, the broader <laughs> podcasting world. Hello, you. Oh, oh, yeah, all ten of them. They, 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 they would love, they love to hear from Don't you. give me that. <laughs> if podcasting, I know that's this is where the money is now, right? <laughs> Every all I don't have a podcast yet. I know every one of you is on a million a year. <laughs> if only, if only we we're on that Joe Rogan money. So we're here today to talk about well, probably talk about the title first of all, because depending on territories where you live, this is either called Southern Fury or Arsenal, and both are not the right title for it. No, um, Arsenal would suggest that it's a it's a like guns everywhere. That it's hyper violent. Oh, it, it becomes hyper violent, but it's it, there's no arsenal in it. That is the thing, and like I can only imagine the reasoning for not calling it Arsenal in the UK is they think that the British public are that dumb that they will think it's a kind of like Arsene Wenger biopic or like a kind of telling of the history of Arsenal Football Club. Which I mean, I think probably more people would have fucking seen it had, had they gone with that title. <laughs> And the thing is, Southern Fury isn't the right title for it because nobody's furious, really. Everyone's peeved. I mean, you just it's well, ge- geographically non-specific as well. Yeah, well, like it's, if it was like set in the Deep South, I get it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's New Orleans. New Orleans yeah. is New Orleans. Yes, it's technically in the Deep South, but you know, the Deliverance is the Deep South. Yeah. Southern, Southern Comfort, clues in the title, is the Deep <laughs> South. This is this could be anywhere because it's amazing that there's no because new orleans is a very very specific town mm. it's 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 got absolutely its own character it's the least american city in america and you don't get any taste of that this could be it's just it's largely filmed outside one house in one barbecue restaurant and in a warehouse that they've rented and put plastic tarpaulins everywhere Yep. There is no sense of place in this film. So how dare they bother trying to go, oh, Southern Fury, this is going to be like Deliverance 2. And it's not. It's not even like Deadfall 2. <laughs> Perfect. So before we get deep into talking about Southern Fury, uh, yeah, I'd like to uh, like kind of get a bit of background as where you sit within like the Cage fandom, as it were. So first of all, are you a Nick Cage fan? I am a, um, I would say lapsed. Because uh, in the 90s, when he was still a star, and, you know, he was a megastar in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I, I love, you know, his The Rock, Con Air, um, uh, Leaving Las Vegas, all you know, his big movies. I, I, I was a fan. Since then, <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know how his career has plummeted quite as much as it has, but th- I've seen a few of, of this era, this the Southern Fury era of Nicolas Cage movies, the last 10 years where yeah. he's just doing it for, I don't know, it just comic book money. Um, but he is, yeah, this stuff I'm less of a fan of. Well, what is interesting about the last 10 years is like sometimes there are films that have no right to be as good as they are that he's in. Sometimes it's kind of it's like a few different like uh, categories that like his films kind of fall into. It's like some of them are just schlock 
for the sake of schlock's sake, but he does some interesting things in them. There are obviously films like Southern Fury where it's like, I don't understand why this was made. Or there's like decent films, like especially the latter day, like Mandy and yeah. Color Out of Space. It's kind of, he's hitting a new stride. Yeah, is he hitting a new stride? Because I'm, I'm like, in terms of the chronology of it, is it? It feels like it's all messed up. Like he, he's yeah. doing something brilliant, like Mandy, but he's also going to do something called Shit Fucker or something the week <laughs> after. And it's and so I, 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 I don't know if he has. Well, I mean, you'll know better than me if he actually has gone into a new stage now of starting to make interesting choices again. Well, I think yeah, I, th- I think he has, and I do think he's kind of got this just approach of. If it's there, I'll take it. And obviously, like, it, I guess he'll happily roll the dice. And I, I've I've made the comparison before that somebody like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, for instance, would have like at some point in his career could have well, a, a, any actor of that kind of generation could have had that career had they just at one point said, you know what, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say yes to more things. Whereas like. Nick Cage kind of could have got to the end of the 90s and gone, I'm going to be very picky about my roles. But even like from then, his kind of output was like bang, 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 bang. Like even all the way back to Con Air and they came out within months of each other, but they happened to be just like hits. Whereas now it's like he's dribbling out stuff onto VOD. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he might just like like working. Yeah, which is lovely. Like I had Christopher Walken used to take any. I don't know if it's still true, but he used to take any job if they could meet his price. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever his going rate was, he would do it because he felt the experience of making even a bad movie is as enriching as, or is more enriching than making no movie. I guess. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, he just wants to work and he wants the experience. And I, you know, clearly in this for example, but clearly in almost every film he does, Nicolas Cage is having a whale of a time. Well, yeah, that, that, that is the thing. And I think sometimes it falls down to the directors. Like yeah, absolutely, yeah. People who don't know how to manage him. And it's like a prime example I always think to for this in a case of other actors is Johnny Depp with Gore Verbinski in the Pirates of the Caribbean film. Mm. If he's not directed correctly, like he just kind of goes off and like it, it the wheels fall off of the cart, and yeah. Johnny Depp is just like this, I don't know, incoherent mess. Whereas, like, as we see in other films, like Johnny Depp, if he's with a good director, and Nicolas Cage as well, in this, I feel that if the director were better, he would have got like, yeah, and the, the director of this is a straight to movie guy, he did. I think his only cinematic release is uh, uh, not Prison Break. Uh, what's the name of that Stallone movie? Escape Plan Two. Escape Plan Two. Experience he has of dealing with actors, but clearly he hasn't. He hasn't got the best of anyone in this movie. So we've established that you are a lapsed Nicolas Cage fan. Um, <laughs> what was the first Nick Cage film you remember seeing? I was trying to figure this out based on the. I went through his filmography to try and figure out the time of it. So it's either going to be um, Wings of the Apache when it came on TV when I was about. 11 or 12 or uh, it will have been I, I I definitely saw Honeymoon in Vegas in the cinema which would have been I was 12 then so it's probably that and what like were you enamoured at that point were you like who is this guy is it like because that's an interesting film 
Right. I, uh, honeymoon in Vegas. <laughs> I was always, he's good in it. I always had a thing for Sarah Jessica Parker back then. And I think I was probably more, honestly, more of a fan of James Kahn in that. Yeah. Well, there's some, there's some brilliant, like, Nick Cage moments. Like, you get this, like, uh, there's that amazing line where he's like, uh, we should have known this by now. And we get these kind <laughs> of, like, great, like, I don't know, Nick Cage-isms from him. And it's like that that glint in his eye of the guy is. Oh, like, yeah. Because it's, it's, it, the premise of it is basically like a, a, like a rom-com version of Indecent Proposal, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, and he, but he's kind of a straight man in it, mm. and th- and you can tell he's he's quite restrained because that could have been that could have gone to almost anyone. Yeah, but he does make the part way more interesting. Um, but it was every time I'm in a hotel, part of me, part of me remembers the scene where James Khan walks into the hotel and the guy says, "Yeah, I want my usual suite," and the hotel manager's like, "I'm so sorry, but uh, the president of Venezuela is in there," and James Khan just grabs the guy by the balls and just. I want him out of there in like an hour. It's just, I've, I've, I kind of want to be James Caan in that movie. <laughs> um, so and then and then it definitely will have been that. And then Wings of the Apache and Wings of the Apache is a movie I watched a lot because I'm a nutter who, for some reason, as a kid, I would have seen that and Top Gun around the same time. And I decided, for whatever reason, oh, Wings of the Apache is a lot better than Top Gun, which what? no one else has that opinion on the face of the earth. No, I think that Wings of the Apache is like the store brand. Uh, top Gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like when you go, oh, look, I can't have, can't have frosties, and your mum's like, oh, we'll get frosted flakes. It's like, oh, not not quite as yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like that. It's just uh, yeah, and it's I mean not an interesting film at all, but one that for some reason I used to watch a million times as a kid. Again, I think I think I watched that for Tommy Lee Jones, and then and then you get uh, Nick Cage with pants on his face. Uh, like driving around pretending he's got like a periscope on, which is like just oh, yeah. I think I, I do remember that. Oh my god, yeah, I haven't seen that in a really long time. Yeah, it's 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 a bizarre. And um, who's the female leading that? Is it Sean Young? It's Sean Young, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's uh, that it's, may have been a factor as well. I oh, did have a thing for Sean Young, yeah, yeah. We've we've all seen Blade Runner. Uh, <laughs> it was it was the Kevin Costner one that got it for me. It was because, um, sh- uh, god, no way out. Mm-hmm. Because there's a part very early on in that film, and I would have seen that when I was about nine or ten when it came on TV. And she she's she takes her, all her clothes off almost immediately in that film. And <laughs> Sean Young's the first naked lady I ever saw. <laughs> Perfect. I felt like that that is uh, that's the kind of scoop we like to get here on the podcast. <laughs> there. So, what is your favourite Nick Cage film? Um, I, I'm sure this is the boring answer, but it's it's got to be The Rock for me. Well, that's that is a. Su- not a surprise, but like it's it's not the most common answer you would find. Uh, uh, I think I, I I've seen that one a lot, so I have a lot of affection. But I mean, I I saw Mandy fairly recently, and I absolutely loved that. But I've only seen it once. But I can imagine that one would become my favorite if I could watch Mandy more than once. But I don't really do that as a grown up. We haven't got time, have we? No, no, no. Well, it's it, it, well, unless yeah, unless unless. I don't know. You're watching every Nicolas Cage film over and over again till the, <laughs> yeah. till, till the end of time, like I am. But, but who like, would do that? Right here. Uh, the, <laughs> well, the, the thing is, the thing is with The Rock as well is this. Um, and I recently spoke to uh, Nicolas Cage's stand-in for ten years, and he worked mm. like kind of in that glory years of Nicolas Cage. So he was there on The Rock, and like I think it was, I don't know, it was pre Michael Bay becoming the 
utter asshole that he's yeah. known to be in Hollywood. And um, yeah, it's got well, it's got a link to uh, Smirsh Pod as well. It's got uh, Sean Connery. Connery yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's it's fantastic. And there's a, there's an amazing story about The Rock as well that like it turned up in like a kind of CIA or FBI uh, dossier years later. This kind of um, like intel on like a terrorist cell and stuff like that and it turned out that what it was was the plan and the kind of like the made-up chemical warfare they had made they had made up for the rock you know those kind of like washing but they just found like a prop plan and decided the cia should probably have it well no no i so something got some 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 information got lost along the way and like it ended up getting like taken into like yeah like so like somebody was like that seems awfully familiar to like the kind of chemical compound that they have in the rock. And then everyone's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Oops. yeah. Well, we don't really need to look too, too much further. Uh, who's <laughs> running the country in America right now to see. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mistakes yeah. happen on a grand scale. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I guess the, yeah, the rock is a, a solid choice. Um, any other any other honourable mentions for like cage performances? For that, well, I mean, um, I mean, that was his golden period, wasn't it? So it's that Connor face off and leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, obviously leaving Las Vegas, the Oscar, an absolutely fantastic film. Again, like, um, speak, yeah, speaking to his stand-in, he was telling me like these, like Cage was just lost in that film. He was kind of even though he had to work with him, he was like. He w- he was in it, and it's it, for me as somebody who dedicated so much time to like, I don't know, uh, talking about the guy to find out that like he actually does uh, well at some point cared about what he was doing, and I, f- I I I personally believe he he still does care. I think on the right project he still cares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I Mandy is a really good movie, and he's very good in it. He hasn't lost the ability to do it. No. What he has done. Is like I know they say this about movies. Nobody sets out to make a bad movie. What I will say is some people couldn't give a fuck either way, and I feel that that is the case with some Nicolas Cage movies during the this era. Yeah, and there's like there's one I always go to bat for that is a lot better than than it looks, and a lot of them as well. It's normally a, like a red flag for me is if the DVD case says. Oscar winner Nicolas Cage. It's like you don't have anything else to sell this film. Right. And yeah, you're yeah, you're yeah. trying to sell it on the fact that he's got an Oscar. It's like, why do you have that over a over a film that's got an explosion? <laughs> like, like, like like that's like that's not that's not the Oscar you're not getting the Oscar bait crowd in. Like they don't give a fuck like about about whether someone's got an Oscar when they're watching like Southern Fury. You know, Mike, I have a job for you if you want it. Brothers. Don't worry about me. Listen, you talk to you about Mikey. It's always something. Is it true what I heard? You bought some coke and you wanted to flip it? What do you want me to say? So you're a drug dealer now. Where's my coke, huh? Where is it? Your brother's always getting into trouble. It's Mikey. I owe everything to him. I think we're even. Oh, you think we're even, you and I? I know of a way where we can both earn what we deserve. There's no amount of money that I would do that for. You owe me! 
Gonna get himself killed. Mikey, you have a daughter. I'm not perfect like you. She's been hanging out with these meth head losers. What did you know? We raised the stakes. Threatening to hurt my niece. You make sure that you bring the money, and we'll call it even. I gotta put together 350 grand. You sure you want to do this? They're gonna kill her. What do I do? You gotta face it. The police aren't gonna help you here. The cops aren't gonna stop it. Somebody has to. Look at me. Are you lying to me? Don't lie to me. You lost your mind. They're gonna kill you both. Tomorrow, money in a suitcase. I'll have the money. We're gonna kill them. I got no problem with that. time to sell this this one is marketed as from the producers or from the producer of oh god i want to say like rescue no uh what's the, what's the mark Wahlberg one where he's stuck out in the jungle oh i was gonna say deep water horizon but that's, that's uh lone survivor lone survivor yeah yeah Right, and I can kind of see that, but uh, first of all, I bet it's not the producer, it's a producer yeah. of those. They're going to have 19 producers, and this guy just was in charge of, like, getting coffee still somehow. Because um, this is... <laughs> but they don't even mention that the cage is in it, really, in the... Um, I mean, his face is on the poster, but yeah, his, he's not prominently displayed on this one, on the on the DVD cover I saw. Well, it's that thing, like, with the, with the artwork to this as well, yeah, like, Adrian Granier is up front and center and i in this all like even in entourage he's kind of he's like he's he's got the acting abilities of like a wooden plank yeah he's bad he's bad in this and it's and i know is he a leading man is this i know i never really saw entourage but was he like i know he's supposed to be the main character but he's not the funny one the interesting characters all the ones around him right because in in this, it is it, this film is let down mainly by him as being a lead. Well, it's it's just he, he's got no charisma. He's got no. you don't believe anything that he says, and then and then it doesn't help like that. You've got John Cusack's kind of like his main per, like his, the main character Sal, played by mm. John Cusack. It's the one he interacts with the most, and he looks like he's just turned up like yeah. For like the like a week and gone like yeah. Yeah, what are we doing like I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna wear a like I'm gonna wear a bandana why well because if you seen the fucking state of Nick Cage with all them prosthetics <laughs> he gets to look like that I get to wear a bandana like it's just kind of like it, it it feels even less controlled than that it generally feels like they had a guy playing the cop and then uh, he got ill one day, and then they, and then John Cusack was happening to be walking past, and he says, "Do you mind nipping in and doing this scene in a car? Just it'll be five minutes." And he's like, "Just five minutes? Yeah, five minutes. Yeah, all right, yeah, all right fine." Because <laughs> he's not in it much. He could have done that in an afternoon. That's the thing. It's set over multiple days because kind of like any action movie, like it has it has that ticking time bomb under the. Yeah, he's got the forty eight hours to get the money, and but like. You never see a costume change from uh, Cusack. He's just 
That's because he there wasn't one. He checked that I bet he filmed that. I bet that was genuinely like a nine to five day he did. Like a, just a normal office day for John Kusek, that was. <laughs> and the thing is, the, the whole movie feel was probably shot very quickly because it's it looks like it was shot on an iPhone. They were not spending long times on setups and like lighting rigs and making sure the camera was just right. Well, that's one of the things I was gonna say about as well, is like the shaky cam effects in this are nauseating. Like it can be done really well in films, but this it just felt like a bloke walking along with a camera and it's just jiggling about. Yeah. It's not in any style. Yeah, there's no stabilizer on it. Generally, I wonder if it was an iPhone because there's no stabilizer on it. The what passes for cinematography and grading is just like a filter you would get on Instagram. Mm. Um, when there's a scene where he, uh, that main character, walks into a house and the lighting changes because it's a practical, it's a real house. Because the lighting changes, there's a moment where the light blooms the way it does on an iPhone. <laughs> because there's a proper camera operator with a proper camera would adjust for that on yeah. the fly. And this doesn't happen. They've just put, an, but it's not an iPhone, but it's going to be a cheap camera that they've just set to automatic white balance and hope for the best. Well, it has that thing as well. Like It, it feels like they shot every, like they didn't have any more footage for this as well because like the last 10 minutes of this are pretty much slow-mo. And it just kind of feels, say, yeah. it kind of feels like, like loads of the, like you say, like an iPhone, it's like kind of like, a kid getting an iPhone and going, yeah. look at all the cool things I can do. Or like when yeah. Instagram first came out and like when slow-mo first got introduced to the iPhone and you're like, wow, yeah. look at this I've done, look at this I've done. And the, the thing about the slow-mo is, I mean, I almost wanted to go through it. I almost wanted to download it and go through it and speed it to normal times. How long is this film without slow-mo? 17 minutes. <laughs> um, but, but it's weird because... Clearly, the people who've done... I don't know what else these people have done, but the producer has worked on other stuff. This is a director who has done some other stuff, although they're pretty shit. But I assume this is a professional editor. And no one has gone... The pacing during the action scenes is abominable. Because like you say, it goes into slow motion so much. And I can live with slow motion, but it really lingers on like a long punch beyond the fact... Beyond the point where it's interesting or feels dramatic. It just feels like no one's making the right decision. It is... It's it's up to a point. This is a very poor film. Like because I'll say this, I watched this in two goes. I watched half of it last night, and I watched the other half this morning, vaguely dreading it based on the first half. Right, <laughs> and also, but I, I remembered almost nothing from the first half this morning because it's so dull. But god damn it, it it's sort of charming. The second half is so stupid and fast. I'm like, oh, I quite like this. But, but also a technical shambles. Like I say. It's still a mess, and everyone's awful in it, apart from the older brother, who I actually think is quite compelling. There's the thing in you mentioning earlier about the like Instagram filters. Like we should probably talk about this like opening sequence that's like them as children. The flashback, which, yeah. Which has just got this horrible like oversaturation. It's like we get it, we get it. It's like it's 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 in the past, and it's like yeah. That's my first note. Was this looks like piss. Yeah, it looks it looks like somebody has like got the film and then just like, I don't know, like 
got yeah again gone on instagram just set yeah, saturation yeah. to high yeah. everything like, all the faders do you know what i mean like gone onto photoshop like fucking like just it looks like i tell you it looks like you're pro- you might be too young for this right but when i was a kid lucas Ed used to come in a glass bottle he used to come wrapped with an orange plastic thing it mm. looks like they've just put that over the lens and gone <laughs> there we are no it's a flashback <laughs> the, the only thing that they could have like really signified it anymore that it was a flashback was the kind of like scooby-doo waves you know like the yeah i love the fact as well all the cars are exactly the same though like they've done no it's not like they've gone that's what what cars were on 22 years ago nobody gives a fuck i feel like again with pacing and stuff like that this could have been put later into the like, or the flashbacks could have been broken up and kind of peppered throughout the story we just get at the beginning the like very like paint by numbers these who are the, who these two characters are like jeremy you know I mean? yeah. it's like what like one of like the older brother saw the uncle like dead so he's he's going to be the damaged one and then we just get that like it's really like toe curling that moment when the older brother uh, mikey gives jp the speech about the lawnmower and he's like I'll give you the money, and he's like, "I'll give you a. This will be your job. You can, you can, cut, you can mow the grass." And it's like, and and then and then we're like, we cut twenty three years later, and it's like he's got this kind of construction landscaping business. The, the the director and the writer really, really trying to hammer home to us that it's like, right? The somehow the older brother is owed something by his younger brother in some weird way because he gave him a lawnmower when they were <laughs> yes i mean and god bless them they're trying as, as a writer they're trying to give it a little bit more heft the laziest thing is and the because the actual start of this movie is a flash forward mm-hmm. it it's trying to be i'll tell you actually this and it's because of the flash forward and the flashbacks and and various things that it does with time this feels so much older than it is this is 2017 this feels like a 2006. Remember when there was that, there was a gold rush after Tarantino became big mm-hmm. that everyone was trying to do, like straight to, there was a million straight to video Tarantino ripoffs. It feels like that. Movies that felt dated six months after Pulp Fiction came out, this has come out 22 years after, 23 years after Pulp Fiction. That's how dated this feels. And it starts with a flash forward with the, uh, the younger brother whose name is... JP. JP. Uh, who is, and it, it's a voiceover as well. God, just to confuse things worse. Um, and it's him standing down by the docks. He has something like, um, if you don't know why I do this for my brother, then you don't know my brother. And then we see him holding a gun. All right? And there's, and then it goes, and that's the teaser. And then we go into the titles. Um, the idea that anyone at this point is, is, and it's supposed to draw you in. That's the mm. point of having a moment like that. No one in their world gives a shit about a guy holding a gun in a movie anymore. Well, we the, are way past that. Well, that's the thing. You want, like, if it, if you were met with the kind of, like, closing moment of Mandy with, like, a blood-soaked, like, do you know what I mean, protagonist, and then, and then you deliver that line in voiceover, you go, oh, fuck, like... Yeah, what, something's what, happened better, uh, right? <laughs> And probably not as Welsh, but um, <laughs> but they, but even then we've kind of seen that before. It has to be something that is 
like two completely disparate ideas. Like, you know, I have no idea what it could be for this, but it has to be more interesting than a, a guy with a gun. Nobody cares. Well, it's that thing, like, and it is, like, it, it really draws back to kind of Adrian Grenier's, like, just woodenness in this. Yeah. And, like, throughout it, I just kept kept thinking to myself, like, right, like, what, like, is he going to, is he going to give us anything? Like, yeah. and that, that is the thing. Like, you said, like, the older brother, played by uh, Jonathan Shrek, is, like, an interesting character. Yeah. Like, he's got he's got something about him. Yeah. There's, there's, I mean, the deadbeat character is a, I'm not sure it's on the page what he does with it, but there's something about his look. He actually clearly is a very good actor because he's acting with his eyes. He, he really is very good. And the scene of, the scene where he goes to that gun shop to try and sell a gun and a, and a flashbang grenade because he's so desperate genuinely is a very good scene. It's, you feel his desperation and it's actually an interesting thing. I, there's a million ways you can make a character seem desperate in a performance or in writing, but the fact he's trying to sell a, a flashbang grenade, I've never seen that before. And that, yeah. that was a very interesting scene to me. Um, and it's, it's the last interesting scene for about 40 minutes in the movie. It's that thing as well. And like one of the things that it reminded me of, and like a lot of the times when films remind you of other things, it's normally a bad sign. Like, because you're like, oh, I'd rather be watching that film. I was reminded of The Fighter. Yeah. yeah. Like that kind of like that brother dynamic, like the older brothers, like kind of yeah. fucked up. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'd like to be watching the fighter right about now. Yeah. In fact, this feels like a Boston movie. Yeah. It, but they couldn't afford a film in Boston, presumably. Well, yeah. Or that, yeah, like they couldn't, like they, it feels like it would have gone over the desk of Wahlberg. Like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that producer that like, yeah. Would have like said to uh, Wahlberg, do you want this? And he's gone, you know what? I produced Entourage. I know the guy for it. Adrian <laughs> I'll, I'll get the guy who essentially played my life on a TV series, like a fictionalized version of me. I'll get him. Do you know what? It's the producer who probably like it wouldn't be surprising if I I don't know if he is, but it probably is fucking Mark Wahlberg who is a producer on this. <laughs> it, it's not. I would have noticed that. I'm sure. I hope not. Otherwise, I've lost respect for the guy who used to sell underwear for a living. Yeah, in regards to, like, the characters in this, bit part characters I just found, like, fascinating. Like, these kind of, like, the, the people they decide to, like, pepper the world with. And we, we kind of get this guy who looks like he's Eddie King's, like, right-hand man. Yeah. Who looks like he's in, like, uh, fancy dress as James Franco's character in Spring Breakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like down to like the gold teeth, the cornrows, Hawaiian shirt, and I was like, and then and then we get this cop, like the Mohawk cop guy, and it's like, oh yeah, the undercover cop. Yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah, and it's and then we get like, just they they all kind of weirdly as distinctive as they try and make them look, they blur into one because nobody nobody in this is really a defined character, bar like. Are the the brother to a degree, and it's like everybody's kind of got like a superficial thing. That yeah, like, absolutely. That you're supposed to go. That's who I know who that is, and it's like simple as like going like, I'll give you a green shirt, I'll give you a red shirt. Yeah, like 
which and that can work fine if you are if you are making a not even by the numbers, but if your aim is to make an action movie that is purely action, you can go right. This is this archetype. This is this archetype. Now we're going to make them fight. You need to understand the topography and you need to understand who everyone is. Done. Fact. This, on the other hand, is trying to be an old-fashioned noir movie, mm. a, a, a genre typically uh, uh, that is based on characters and relationships. And none of that work has gone into making this. They've just lit it a bit weird and gone, there we are, it's a noir now. There's the whole, like, base, like baseball motif that like they, oh, yeah. they've tried to weave into it that kind of... The only time it really comes back bar the end is there's a moment when, like, the older brother beats a guy with a baseball bat and is like, oh, I used to play softball for five <laughs> years. And, like, it's like, oh, well, great. Oh, and there's, yeah... There's the moment at the baseball game as well, which I had like a real problem with because we get this com- like this real world confrontation between uh, Mikey and this humongous guy who like when he first spoke is like he sounds ADR like his voice <laughs> just sounded unnaturally low. Uh, and I'm not sure if I saw his mouth move. There's a, there, there's a few technical things in this that are just kind of. Yes, a few technical issues. <laughs> yeah, but like. In that, we see this bust-up, but we never see any, like, resolution or, like, kind of consequence to it. It's kind of like, it just cuts to, like, the baseball game being won. And it's like, yeah. well, well, that would have I, some... I, I think, I, I guess that's supposed to make us go, um, oh, this, this, this older brother, he's a hothead. He can turn on a dime. But we, I think we kind of already know that. Yeah, what a yeah. waste of two minutes. <laughs> Well, that's the thing, and it's like if like, I thought that would have been something to like propel the plot along or something. Do you know what I mean? Because like in the re- like real world consequences of that, it's like well, he probably would have been like escorted out or like do you know what yeah. I mean? or like arrested or something like that. Uh, like, whereas I don't know, this film is just like the 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 basis of the whole plot as well. Like this this double crossing like. Is it is it the brother in with Eddie, like King to to get to extort the money from his own brother, and it's like it could have been interesting if the reveal came later in the film, but it's like you look at your. It's fairly close, isn't it, when they do the flashback to explain that he didn't go along with the plan, isn't it? It's yeah, it's it's like you look at your watch and you go, well, I've got I've got like. 45 minutes to an hour left. Yeah. Um, so he's, but the, I mean, it's, God, I think the part I was like, this is going to be boring, was when he does the Coke deal and the Coke deal goes, well, the Coke deal goes right, but then he gets jacked. Yeah. And immediately I was like, and there's nothing interesting about that as well, because we are getting about 40 minutes into this movie at this point, and there's been no action scene. The kind of the first action scene is the car chase. Which I don't believe was a proper car chase. I think they just got a camera car and had two cars drive recklessly through New Orleans and didn't get a permit. There was a moment it cuts to JP and he is sat bolt upright with his hands like right next to the steering wheel at like five, five two and five past. And it's like, is that how you'd be like? 
is one does that look cool like that that's yeah. one of the things like, you're making an action movie make it look fucking cool like yeah like no matter what you think of like uh, the fast and furious films like vin diesel looks cool behind the yeah. wheel of a car like he makes it look cool in this it's like he looks like he's a like a sunday driver who's like can't quite see over the steering wheel it's like i don't i don't quite get and there's just some yeah like i i don't think that kid has has a um performer's instinct in his body i don't think i don't think he thinks about how is this going to look on camera how do i look um he or and how do i sound you know because he there's no dynamism in his performance he doesn't really he I'm not saying he doesn't change his tone throughout the entire film, but he he doesn't really change it within a scene. He goes right in this scene. I am this emotion, and that's it. Till somebody says cut. Yeah. Uh, so it's not necessarily he's not he's not completely wooden the entire film. He's just making a series of bad decisions, or in fact, or worse, he's failing to make any decisions um, dynamically in a scene. Well, yeah, it's like he either comes in, it's like I'm frantic in this scene. Yes, yeah. like or like. I'm 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 going in I'm going in and I'm just going like where is he like what, what what's going on or, or like <laughs> or, or he's just like playing it really like cool and we get like there's just like it's littered with really odd moments like there there's uh, an awkward sex scene at one point in this movie I mean that one that I, I mean I wrote down there that is a baffling scene so the whole so his brother's been kidnapped he needs to get him saved or he needs to get him the money he is going to be very tense. He walks into the house. I'm assuming most of the view of the listeners haven't watched this film. So let me, he walks into his house. His wife is there. She says something. He then pulls her pants down and inserts himself. Now then, now then, I'm an older man now. I'm 40, but I can't just get ready to go that quickly. This is about 18 seconds. From the start of the shot to insertion, it's about 18 seconds, which means in the world of the film, he has walked into the house already at least semi-erect. <laughs> and and he's, he's just come from work and his brother's been kidnapped. How, how excited can he actually be at that moment? <laughs> well... Like I guess, I guess the thrill of the whole situation has just got him rock hard. Like he's like, oh, it's like, but he doesn't. He, that's again, he wouldn't show it because he kind of cut. Like it's, it's like again, bizarre, bizarre. Tr- in another romantic moment, he gets into the bath with jeans on, and all I kept thinking was, unless you're trying to get them to shrink to fit. Yeah. Like I don't get what you're doing here. It's like, yeah. I just kept thinking about the practicalities of it. Maybe that that is because I'm a, a dad and I'm getting older, and it's that thing of like, oh, that's that they're, they're going to be a bastard to take off. Yeah, you can get them off. You'll never get them off. No, you're going to you're going to cut them off. Um, and which which is, I guess, is the director trying to be steamy. But I mean, he doesn't do anything right. He can't. Re- well, well, I mean, obviously, we'll get to that last ten minutes of the film. But he can't. He's trying to do something erotic. Can't do it. He can't direct a dramatic scene. The scene that especially annoyed me was the scene where the the younger brother um, is, his wife is like, well, maybe your brother uh, faked all this to get the money. And uh, and the kid, the younger brother is like, he wouldn't do that to me, not to me. He might do it to somebody else, but not to me. <laughs> now, you haven't got to be a great director to go, maybe... There's shades of grey in this scene. Maybe play it 
maybe we want to see, I mean, maybe the director did tell him this and he just couldn't play it. Maybe we want to see in your eyes, as you're saying this, that you actually have doubts that what you were saying is true. Can you show us that in your eyes? And the actor's gone, no, fair <laughs> enough. Let's just shoot it anyway. Somebody set the phone up. The jeopardy in this as well, like, and that is the thing. You have a perfect person, like, if there were to be an actual kidnapping, for there to be an actual sense of jeopardy. Because, like, at the end of the day, we're supposed to, like, feel sympathetic to a guy who has just borrowed 10 grand from his brother and spent it all on cocaine. And it's like, oh, all right, like, this is who we're supposed to feel like. Yeah, just to explain to everyone, he spent the co- money on the cocaine that he's then going to then sell on. It's not for personal use. So that makes him a better guy. <laughs> oh, no. And then, and then, yeah, and then, like, I'm not saying, like, this obviously is, like, an, uh, like a trope in action movies, but, like, we had a teenage, like, there's a teenage daughter, do you know what I mean? Like, that is your kind of go-to, like, kidnappy in these kind of films. And it's, yeah. like, that is a way to get people on side and to be, like, right, there's actually some, like, oh, like, make people I, I don't i don't know how many people have like everyone's got a difficult brother but nobody's kind of got like a kind of like jailbird coke dealing brother who's like do you know what I mean like and it, like so you're not going to get that sympathy that you would like if it were like i think i i agree with you i think and i i think it could have worked with two better actors yeah but I think I think I actually do feel sorry for the older brother because I I think he actually he does give a good performance, but it needs that counterbalance between the two brothers to really feel that relationship. And it actually and you're right. I think it's I think it's actually quite an interesting thing. Imagine if a Scorsese made this; it'd be much more interesting. You set up the the young girl as being the one who's going to get kidnapped, and then that doesn't happen. Yeah. You can you can take all these expectations that a one of the most schlocky movie like this sets up. And you can ruin them. And this film, not ruin them, but, you know, sort of turn them on their heads. And this film tries to do that. It just hasn't got the skill in any department. I'm just, just looking for my notes at, like, other moments in this. And, yeah, that, that kind of, like, flashback when we see that he, like, didn't do it. Again, it comes, it comes far, far, far too early. And then yeah. after that, we're just kind of like, where? I just kept thinking, like, where is this going? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I've kind of like, I was, I was a lot more interested. Or like, if that had come in the final act, I would have been like, it would have at least kind of got a bit more of like a head turn from me than just like, oh, like, yeah. Imagine if we don't know he turns up, and I mean, if if, if the the younger brother has turned up thinking this guy's fucking me over, my wife was right, he is gonna fuck me, and then he gets there, and his brother is this broken mess. And he realizes he's been wrong about him for most of the movie. That's an interesting choice. That's not what they did. Um, I love that we haven't really got to Cage's role in this yet. Well, that is the thing. Like, and that is what's like really interesting about this film is, for one, Nick Cage is playing a character that, for all intents and purposes, is dead. Eddie now, this, I only found this out about 20 minutes before we started recording because I haven't seen Deadfall. I didn't, so his character dies in Deadfall. Oh, in like one of the most gruesome ways <laughs> possible. Like, his like face is put into like a deep fat fryer. Okay. Like, there is like no, like, do you know what I mean? Like, there is no, he's like stabbed. 
like face <laughs> back fryer, like he's dead. He he is dead. Right. I this is something I genuinely love about this film, then, is that someone's gone, I want to make a sequel to the movie Deadfall. Oh good. Did you like it? I haven't seen it till the end yet. But I've written <laughs> I've written the sequel. Okay. Do you want to go back and check the end? No, no, we're good. Well, apparently it was Nicolas Cage's stipulation that he would only do this film if he could play that character. But then... I, I had the sense that it wasn't planned properly. But, like, my my thing with that is he doesn't play that character. He plays somebody doing a poor imitation of that character. That That's the thing. that And I, I have a, a very similar note. It, this... Especially with the, he's got like a fake nose and he's got that insane wig. The, it feels like, it feels like one of the, not even one of the best guys on SNL, one of like the second tier guys is doing a, a reasonable Nicolas Cage impression. Like, he looks like he's lost fallen into a Smithy's warehouse, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and like come out the other side. And then, and then just kind of like, it looks, it looks very, like he looks bizarre. And like, that is the thing, when he's on screen, you are taken away from like anything he's kind of doing performance wise because he's got these horrible like false teeth in which he did mm-hmm. like he didn't have when he played Eddie in uh, Deadfall and like in Deadfall for as much flaws as that has got like those clips of Nicolas Cage in that film like are kind of like peppered throughout these kind of compilation videos you see online of like Nicolas Cage loses his shit and like that is a film like his performance in that like better or for worse, just grabs you by the throat and goes, right. like, pay fucking attention. Whereas in this, he, like, it sound, he sounds like an he sounds like he's got false teeth in. And, like, he, oh, it sounds like I had to put the subtitles on. It's like listening to somebody doing a Nicolas Cage impression underwater. Yeah, because in, 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 like, the original one, like, he's just got these immensely quotable lines. Like, he's like, I fucking yeah! And, like, he's just like, he's just like, I, I believe it's, like, a good, like, he, well, he just goes, fuck, for like the longest amount of time. He's like, he's got this bizarre voice. And in that, you're like, I don't know what he's doing, but something about it, I, I kind of like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And in that, he's like a secondary character. It's Michael uh, Bine is like the, the lead in that. But he's uh, interesting. Whereas in this, it's like, one, I don't understand why he, he had to be that character. Like, Surely, like, it's not like he's one of his most, like, revered or well-known characters or kind of, like, respected characters. If he said, you know what, I'm going to be cast a Troy in this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well... That would make a lot more sense. Because the thing is, Eddie King is such a bizarre character. You can't imagine him being in charge of a sweet shop, let alone a local criminal organisation. Like, who's, how has he got henchmen? Any henchman who got, you're a mental, I could take over this company today. That and like we just we realized very quickly as well once like the plan go, like wheels go into motion on the plan that he, he isn't he isn't like any big fry at all because yeah we get this scene of him and his brother who is actually played by Nicolas Cage's real life brother Christopher Coppola who directed Deadfall so I guess for them this kind of like ah oh, isn't this great again it's it's like. It's like family members on a Saturday night having a few too many beers and flicking through the like photo albums and like uh, <laughs> family videos going, oh, 
wasn't it fun when we like, do you remember that? Like Saturday in 96 when we did that or whatever. It's like, but like, this is, this is supposed to be like, people are, there, there's people watching this. Do you know what I mean? This isn't <laughs> a chance for you and your brother to kind of reminisce and like, it, it just makes no logical fucking sense. No. And the scene with the brother, which comes out of nowhere and ends, and uh, unless I've missed something, has no purpose really. The only purpose I can kind of see in it is that, like, it shows you that, like, Eddie has people to answer for because, like, the undercover cop says, like, he wouldn't be able to make a move, like, because he's he's somewhat connected to people. And I guess it's like, it's like they say in that, like, in New Orleans and New York. So I guess this is set in, like, a kind of, like, suburbs or, like, a town over from New Orleans anyway. Mm. But like, yeah. If anything, like this is me just really looking. Is it trying to show us that like he has someone to answer to, and that is his brother? And it's like, yeah. I, were they trying to really hammer home this thing about like brothers in this? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Was there? A... Yeah, yeah. It was heavy-handed. Well, I say about the obviously he beats his obviously he beats his brother to death in this film. Um, that's my other problem with, with this from a technical point of view is when blood is splattered in this film, which is frequently, I don't think anyone who was in charge of buying the fake blood has seen blood before mm. because it doesn't look real. And when it hits, like when he hits his brother, it's very splashy. But then when it, it goes somehow, it, it splashes onto a radio and it's very thick and it, it's raspberry, it looks like raspberry jam. And that happens a couple of times. It's like, I mean, get get one thing right in this film. If nothing else, get the look of guts right. It looks like um, a, a, I, I looked at uh, some reviews of this, and Robbie Collin, uh, like, was on uh, BBC uh, Five Live Radio reviewing it, and he said like it's a lot of like like beef mince and glue. That's yeah. what a lot of like the kind of guts look like. Like when we get the the uncle shooting his brains out at the beginning. It just looks like yeah. beef mints rolling down the wall with like... Some it's horrible as well. Yeah. And it really lingers on it, which it shouldn't, because it looks fake as fuck. Well, that's the thing with the violence in this as well, is it like, it lingers on it, lingers on it all far too often. And it's like, I don't, are you trying to just be like, oh, isn't this cool? And it's like, well, like... Yeah. I, I'm not a prude when it comes to violence, but at the same time, it's like... A has to be like earned or like B yeah. like gratuitous like, I don't know, like gratuitous violence in like when it looks good and it looks cartoonish. That's yeah. like, whereas this it's like, I don't know what it's trying to look like. <laughs> yeah, it looks fake but also repulsive. Yeah. That's the ridiculous thing. So it's there's my favorite movies are largely action movies. But here's a reaction I don't want for myself when I'm watching an action movie that could be very, very violent. And it's this one. Oh no. <laughs> which I said about four different times in this movie. Is oh no, I'm turning into my mother over this movie. Oh, I don't think so. Thank you. No, off. And, and there's many problems with that scene as well when he, he beats up his, well, he kills his brother. Is like so his hand position in this, and it's obviously like <laughs> quite hard to explain on a audio medium. But like he's kind of got like 
I don't. What? What? what he's got. He's got a largely open palm, hasn't oh, he? Yeah. 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 And right. then he, you see him bring. It's not quite. It's almost like a claw hand, like a Peter Lawford claw hand yeah. that comes down out of shot to beat the brother. But he would. He wouldn't. And there's so much blood everywhere. You know that it must be making damage to the brother because you see that. But he would be just physically. He would be breaking his own little finger. I think. Do based on what we see. Yeah, and it's like that thing of like I don't know. It made me think of like there's that elevator scene in Drive when like he caves in a guy's head like by stamping on it. And it's like, right, that as unbelievable as that is, like that makes sense within that film because it's like that is the kind of like boiling rage that this guy has in him. Whereas in this, I just kept thinking about like technically, I'm going, well, technically he wouldn't be able to do that, would he? Like, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's like when a, when a film's like taking you out of it, you go, "Well, well, actually, actually, like you said, he would have broken his hand by yeah. now." And it's like it, it feels like in Drive, everything is a style choice. In mm. this, people just didn't have enough pre-production meetings. There's so many buffaloon choices in it. So, like at the at the beginning of this film, we get that break in about the coke, right? And the brother makes a choice to get an axe at a later moment in this film when the younger brother and John Cusack's character are like searching his apartment they find in that same box that the axe was in a gun and it's like <laughs> right so if you like so you're you're supposed to like expect the audience to come along with you on this journey and like believe what you're presenting us yet you have shown, like, you have shown us uh, a later point in this that he had a gun in there the whole time. So, a that like the whole events of this film could have been avoided if he had gone for that gun. That's a very good point. Yeah, and it's like, like, what, like, what? Then what the fuck? Like, do you know what I mean? It's like it's that. Uh, that I guess that's why I have li- like less sympathy for the brother. It's like, well, you just you were just trying to swing your dick about, but going, you know what? I'm gonna go for a cool kill. Do you know what I mean? It's like Call of Duty, like when people go, I'm just gonna stab him with a knife, and it's like <laughs> we well, don't have to. You've got a sniper rifle, but it's like, yeah, but I'm trying to be cool because I'm playing online with my friends, and it's like, well, you could have you could have got a gun out and like defused the situation, kept your coat. Maybe it would have taken you six months to a year to maybe longer to sell 10, 10 grand's worth of coke. Yeah, it, it feels like what he should have done was instead of giving 10 grand, just like a job application for like a Dunkin' Donuts. Because 10 grand, so do you need 10 grand? When? When do you need well, it? Because you're right, it's going to take a long time to shift that amount of coke. Whereas I reckon you could probably make that in six months in a Dunkin' Donuts if you do double time. Well, like, there's loads of things you said. Oh, I thought you, I thought your daughter needed braces, and it's like, well, if you knew that his daughter needed braces, like, uh, like, give her the money, pay, yeah, yeah, give it to the mum. I know she's like, yeah. seems to be a bit of like a, like, not doing well for herself as well, and like, again, but I, I would, yeah, pay the the orthodontist directly. Yeah. I would say. It's, a, it's not as interesting. In fact, you know what? It's almost as interesting a film if it's a night, if it's just following the younger brother on a 90-minute round trip to give orthodontist a cash payment to do braces. 
yeah, just kind of go, go, going to all these places, being like, you know what, you need you need your your, your gas and electrics a bit overdue. <laughs> Don't worry, it's uh, ninety minutes real time of him on <laughs> him on the phone to the company. Yep, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm calling on behalf of my brother. Um, I'm, I'm looking at his bills. I think savings can be made. <laughs> Great. Cheers. Thanks. That's the movie. That yeah. Because at this rate, I'm gonna have to lend him ten grand for coke. Just kidding. You know, it's just talking about it now. I'm like, right, like Adrian Grande. Get him on the phone. Get uh, get Jonathan Shurek. Get Cusack. I think Cusack would 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 jump at the chance to kind of I don't know, uh, be be in a film about pay, like bills being paid like yeah it's, it's of... yeah or well, mel gibson at this point needs the money you mean it's called payback two where he pays back a lot of people <laughs> so he just sets it's just him setting up direct debit i just yeah go, go to the orthodontist here's, here's the money for the orthodontist like i don't it's, it's just it's all very it's all very very bizarre like we get like i don't know like should we talk about the last 10 minutes of this of this of this shit show Oh yes, because what I so basically we've got to the point where um he decides he's gonna go save his brother so he gets a gun and he um and I, I love this because it's all very dramatic music of him going to the sort of undescribed is it an arcade? Is it the old arcade or is it somewhere else now? But it's yes. it's a it's a it's a building with tarpaulin inside it because clearly they've used it for multiple sets and they're trying to cover it up by putting plastic sheeting around, even though they're not decorated. Well, there's a big um, thing about the arcade, isn't there? Because there's something said on the phone when he eventually speaks to. His yeah, friend. I didn't understand that plot point at all. When he says about playing video games and like, it's never really explained because he tries to explain it to his wife, and he's like, "Something bad must be going on. I shouldn't give them the money because." Last time my brother told me to play video games, it's when my uncle had shot himself. And it's like, well, no, I think he's trying to, like, from what we... uh, What you've just said as well is practically word for word that scene, and it makes no sense. Yeah. And there's, like, I guess from what we're supposed to believe is that, like, this, like, tarpaulin building is kind of like, if, do you know what I mean? If If you take a left past the toilets where, like, Yeah, if you take a left instead of a right to the toilets, you end up in this tarpaulin part of the arcade for some reason. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh shit, I was was looking for the gents. Oh, actually, (laughs) I'm seeing a bloke like getting a pipe shoved down his throat and like smack of a baseball bat instead. And it's like, so in 23 years, nobody has like, like finished the job. Oh yeah, or looked at this place. Yeah, I don't. it would be like them doing a modern like sequel to Home Alone Two, and like his uncle and aunt's house in New York is still fucked. And it's like, oh, <laughs> I'm not going to believe it. I believe in that area of New York, that would be a, like a really sought after property, and would have been sold for millions. They probably wouldn't live there, or at least it would have been a plush apartment from from Home Alone Two. From what I remember, it was at least three stories tall. So big bucks for that but like I don't, yeah it's just very it's all of it is just like what well, it, it, it doesn't make sense it makes it, well, it makes sense only from a production point of view where they mm. they just but he, so he turns up to go save his yeah. brother and the music swells and it's all very dramatic and here is what happens he walks in through the front door and then he finds his brother now traditionally an action film would have something else happening there, 
a thriller would have some exciting happen as opposed to just go, I'm going to save my brother. How did it go? Yeah, pretty good. The end. Right? They have, a, oh, actually, there is a moment but, which is brilliant just before he does the, the let's call it an attack on the on, on Nicolas Cage's base. Uh, he's on the phone to John Cusack, and John Cusack says something like, you're going to do this, you're going to be ready to kill. And he, it's like the ADR. He, he originally said, you're going to kill 20 guys, but they know he couldn't afford 20 guys, so you're going to kill three or four guys. So it's a, <laughs> so, and that's it. There's three, four stunt guys in the place. Um, but they don't turn up until after he saved his brother. Um, and then, so then they split... They go separate ways. The brother goes, he sneaks in to where Nicolas Cage is. The younger brother with the money goes around to pay the ransom and they sort of converge in the bar with Nicolas Cage where there's just Nicolas Cage and maybe two extras, like stunt guys. And then we have a fight scene, which is, and I have to say this, absolutely fucking brilliant. <laughs> well, it's got that. It's the, what, what is bizarre about it as well, another thing that jumped out to me as well, is so... His grand plan is he's put like I guess the flashbang, yeah, like, yeah, in 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 the case, and when it explodes, I'm like, right. So if that was your plan, why have you put money in there? Exactly, there's money <laughs> in there as well. That's the ridiculous <laughs> thing. It's, it reminds me of a bit in RoboCop. You burnt the money, you fucking idiot. Can you fly, Bobby? Right? It's just like they just heat this money in there, and it's all in slow motion. So you can see it, um, and but then. There's just, at this point, it turns into a totally different movie. It turns into a really fun grindhouse movie for like the last four minutes. Well, it's that thing as well. Like, I, like, when it kind of came to the plan of like, that's it, I'm going to go after Eddie King's guys and kill them. I was like, oh, oh, like, oh, great. This film's like finally picking up some steam. It's like, ah, how long's left? Look, yet, it's, like, it's 12 minutes. It's 12 minutes. <laughs> it's finally become the movie you wanted to be in. And that's 12 minutes, including credits. Oh, yeah. And it's like, and like, if we take away the slow motion, which like most of that sequence is in, yeah. you've got about four minutes left. It, it's very Garth Marenghi, isn't it? It's very like, those episodes were coming in. That film was going to be quarter of an hour long. So we did have to make it largely slow-mo. Not the dialogue parts. Um, but it's, <laughs> but I look, it's probably like every stupid idea you could have. What if the guy gets shot through his cheek and you see the bullet come out of his cheek in slow mo? Yes, let's do it. All right, what if a guy flies back with twin guns like a John Woo film? But while he's doing that, we shoot him in slow mo again, slow mo. We shoot him in the bollocks with a shotgun and we do it in, in vicious close up detail in slow motion. Brilliant. <laughs> What if we shoot a guy through the leg really close up and you can see it's like like a it's probably like physical effects as well. It's like gunky 70s movie yeah, for a yeah. bit. I, I loved the last 10 minutes. I loved it. That like slow-mo sequence. The only thing I'd like I, I would say about it is like at some point I was going like, right, like this isn't adding to like the kind of excitement of it. Like the slow-mo was taking away from it. Cause I'm like, we are go like we are watching bullets like come across the screen it's like right i can already see that this is gonna miss that character do you know what i mean it's like just like watching it go past like it's like all right like normally i don't know if it's like someone diving doing it yeah it's 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 yeah it's 
And it's probably like the because there's quite a lot of CGI bullets in it, but it looks you know that app you can get where you just it adds like effects over the top of it. it. It's that level of quality. It's very poor quality. I don't want to give the impression that they put all their money into this scene and it's gold. It looks cheap as shit as well. It's like CGI blood coming out of Nicolas Cage as well. Like it's kind yeah. of like we like and it's the thing as well. It's like they've just rented out a like a, a booth at like a a creams. Like it kind of looks like they've got like really dimly lit yeah. a couple of strobes in there. It's like a kind of kids' party. Like yeah. in the back room, they've gone, right, we've actually we've gone past uh yeah, we've gone past the place. They will actually they'll rent it out. It's supposed to be for a kids' party. Yeah. They'll give it us to the afternoon, fifty dollars. Definitely what's happened or not even the afternoon. I guarantee they've rented the place out from eight thirty in the morning because they don't want because the, the, the restaurant is still like, we're gonna make way more money off the lunchtime crowd. They've put bin bags in the windows and they said, You've got four hours and then you go fuck off. <laughs> I think like so the film the film ends with I guess like a Fast and the Furious style like barbecue, oh, yeah. like it's like that kind of like the the family are all together, and it's 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 very bizarre because it's kind of out of nowhere. It has this just real like it just gets really nasty towards like vegetarians all of a sudden as well. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, like and I I didn't quite get that where he's like oh like. Oh, so you're not vegetarian anymore? Like, it's like you're like, because she, she offers to help cook the chicken, which is it, it's very bizarre because, like, uh, like I, I, I don't eat meat myself, but at the same time, like, I would still offer, like, my my dad to help him cook a barbecue. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. like, I'm, not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not like, like, there's being nice. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if my, if my mum's like struggling with her shopping, I'll be like, is there eggs and milk in there? Or like, is there like, do you know what I mean? Cause is I there, can't touch them. Can't yeah, be is, around there, it. is there steak in there? Well, I don't want anything fucking to do with you. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I, it, it's, it, it's amazing that they, uh, that they're making fun of a vegetarian. That, that feels like, I don't know when this script was written, but that feels like something from like 1988 or something. It's just like, every, practically everyone's a vegetarian now for fuck's sake. Well, yeah, it's just like out of a film that's just been quite quite nasty a lot of the time, anyway, and like really violent. And then it's got this weird, like Christian, like kind of undertone to it as well. Like, well, it's got uh, some of the violence earlier on. There's at least one. Is it when he's beating up his brother, or when he's beating up the guy uh, in the first scene with the baseball bat and the pipe? That uh, it's Glory Hallelujah starts playing. No, that's when he kills his brother. Yeah, yeah. When when Nicholas Cage's character kills his brother. Yeah, and then we get that speech that JP does about the homeless guy in the street talking about like he's gonna save you and stuff like that. And then like again, he says like he goes over to the guy and he's like, "How how did you know who my brother was?" And it's like, "Oh fuck off!" Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? like he's not like he's not a saint. He's never been a saint. Like, yeah, like, we get it. He's got your back. But at the same time, like, like clearly, he was a nutty guy talking about God. And it's like, I, I, I don't know. I tried to do some digging to see if, like, that was, like, an element to this film. But, like, it 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 doesn't feel like it is. But it feels out of place that it is there. There's very little information about this film. I mean, the IMDb trivia is, like, five items. Nobody's talked about this film since it was made. Um. It's not an interesting film. It's a film that I ultimately 
enjoyed, mm-hmm. but not enough to recommend. I can't recommend this film to a living soul. <laughs> well, that's perfect. That 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 was that was, yeah, that was going to be my uh, my next question to you. Would, oh. would you recommend this? Uh, no, so, I yeah. can't. I would recommend the because I literally there was bits I was having so much fun watching the last bit. I did take some screen grabs and some short videos, and I put them on Twitter. I would recommend watching the 18 seconds I tweeted. That's enough. The only way I would recommend this film is if you are either a completist or a sadist. Do you know what I mean? Or yeah. a masochist. I'm not sure when it comes to Nicholas Cage, those two things are mutually exclusive. You know, I think. <laughs> no, or like, yeah, I've. I've I'm doing it for that million pound a year. That the yeah, exactly. I know that's where the money is. Hey, yeah. So, um, is there is there a favourite scene in this? Um, it's it, well, there's two scenes I liked, and obviously there's the fight scene at the end. But I genuinely did enjoy the the, the much quieter scene where he's talking to the gun seller about selling the flashbang grenades and his gun. I thought. I thought. I, Genuinely, it's a moment like that. You go, God, this could have been a genuinely good film. Nicolas Cage can be in terrible movies, but sometimes turns out great performances. Is this one of them? Is, no. is he doing anything interesting in this film? <clears throat> no, I think he thinks he is, but it's, it's, it, and you know what? Maybe he is, but it's so incoherent, I can't hear it properly. Yeah. It's, it's, I, he just looks and sounds like um, he looks like Tony Clifton. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's not he's not threatening because the thing is, I, I there are some films where there's a very bizarre villain, but it's it's actually you know that makes it more threatening. This bloke just seems like a fucking twat. Well, what is really bizarre as well is like I always like to look at like Nicolas Cage's career at the time, and he had just come off the back of making Army of One, which is right. like a a Larry Charles like comedy about a true true life guy called Gary Faulkner who had this uh, vision from God to go kill Osama bin Laden and went over to Pakistan. It's like a real true life story. But like in that, Nick Cage plays this kind of eccentric, interesting guy, and it's like he's he's really like well rounded and shaped out, and is like kind of a bit mad in places and stuff like that and it's like from him to go from that to this it's like so you you're just doing an like you're doing a really bad impression of yourself in a film yeah that wasn't that good in the first place and yeah i well i guess i'm guessing this film wasn't re- well it wasn't received well so we're getting like but budget was 10 million and this grossed $41,000. That, I'm guessing, will be... I mean, it had a very limited... Because the, the, I, I saw that number on Wikipedia as well. I think that number comes from theatrical. It will have probably made its money back in distribution sales and yeah. stuff like that. But again, not much. And it doesn't look like $10 million. It looks like, you know... I think a clever line producer could have knocked this together for a million and a half, even with Nicolas Cage in it. Well, that that is the thing. I think the money in this has possibly gone on... Cusack and Cage, yeah. Yeah. And with that said, do you, I, a friend of mine, I could probably say this, a friend of... I won't give too many details. A friend of mine um, is a, a filmmaker, 
and did tell me, and they were inquiring with Nicolas Cage about a film around this time, three or four years ago. And so I know how much money Nicolas Cage makes a film, at least back then. And it's not much, frankly, considering he's an Oscar winner who's in some of the biggest movies of the 90s. It's a surprisingly low amount. You're making more podcasting, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I guess I guess more than anyone, the uh, the pandemic has really hit Nicolas Cage because he can't churn out his five movies a year that he's used to doing. Uh, I have a feeling he hasn't stopped. I'm sure, I'm sure whatever hellhole part of Bulgaria he's in right now has not had COVID testing introduced yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I actually like. I actually do have a connection to know that, like, he's not taking it well because he he, he isn't working at the moment. Oh, go on. I've got, I got I got it from an email from a from a producer that he has worked with, and like we said at the beginning, he likes working, and during Corona hasn't had the chance to be doing so. So I think he's a bit a bit bummed out at the whole thing. Well, I mean, that man needs a fucking hobby then. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was a gamer, isn't he? Nicholas Cage is a big video game player, isn't he? Not that I, I know. I don't know if I've made that up now. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think he is. It's not really like it's not something that's ever drifted into my like radar. He, so he has no hobbies. I know he collects comic books again, but I'm yeah. not sure he reads them. Yeah, no, I I, I think like because obviously there's the famous story about the uh, the uh, adventure comics, action comics. Yeah. one he had. Yeah, I don't. He just he just seems like a guy who, who loves to work. Oh, which I understand. I, I you know. Which I'm, is, I've, yeah. had, I've, I've still been working a bit during this ridiculous pandemic, and it is ridiculous. Um, it's, it's, I just think maybe you watch a film like this and he goes, you can't keep taking everything mm-hmm. that comes your way, mate. It's, it's not right. So before we wrap this whole thing up... Um, I always go by like a three-point scoring system. I'm trying to correlate some data to find out if these things correlate to make a good Nicolas Cage film. <laughs> and the first question is, does he have bad hair in this film? We don't know. It's a shit wig. We don't <laughs> know the quality of his hair. But the character's hair is unequivocally also, is actually, bad. I've got to ask. I've got to ask. Do you think in... Do you think the character is supposed to be a wig, or is that supposed to be the character's natural hair? I think it's supposed to be like that's like that's what I don't get. It, it seems like it's supposed to be his hair, his mustache, his nose, all. Of but them. they all look fake. Yeah, fake, 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 and it's like that's that's what's baffling about it. So I guess yes is the answer. Does he have a crazy voice? Yeah, but not in a fun way. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like I guess probably his like. What one that's probably yeah the one that jumps out to most people is Vampire's Kiss, but I think like I'm a big defender of that film anyway. That is a, <laughs> that is a fun crazy voice, uh, whereas this is just no. This, this is this is very much a voice. If you I mean I was doing it while watching it anyway. At least I had the subtitles on, but in real life if he was talking to me. I'd be like, what? I'm, I'm, so, I'm I didn't catch any of that. Are you right? <laughs> and do we get a Nick Cage freakout? Oh, nothing but. He, the only part in this movie he calms down is to go is to give the recipe for a good bloody mary the rest of the time he's just shrieking he, even then like his pronounce, uh, pronunciation of uh, Worcestershire sauce 
is uh is great he's like warchester like it's like really like it is it's like that i'm not sure if you ever saw that youtube clip of an old italian man trying to say worcestershire (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's kind of got like that levels of just i don't know like that yeah again yeah, it's all just quite frankly like a bizarre performance. Uh, Look, so you are you are basically cataloging this man's entire career. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that you have affection for anything he does? No, it started off. So th- yeah, this is something that's been asked a lot. Like, I guess like a lot of people want to know this. Who ask? Because especially after that. a movie like this, is I guess what I'm asking is why are you doing this to yourself. It started off as like a, a a morbid curiosity of like somebody who's released like close to a hundred films and kind of has this veracity of just making films and just being like yes 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 and around the time that I started this kind of like idea like germinated in my mind it, I think it was at the height of like kind of meme cage where everyone was like like Twitter was just like strewn with all these like. Uh, gifts and just yeah reactionary gifts and he'd kind of become this joke and there was like a funny or die clip of like Nicolas Cage's agent where it's like hit like someone doing an impression of his voice going like so we've got a we've got a a movie coming it's called Schindler's Fist and you just hear Nicolas Cage's voice going I'll do it and it's like we've got Schindler's Fist too and he's like I'll do it and then like just all these like more and more bizarre like plots and he'll say do it and I was like just on like a sociological like like a social science like look at somebody like it's like what drives a man to like do that and like is it can i find the diamonds in the rough in this is is he this joke that everybody says he is and like i i personally believe from from well from doing it and like i think from a listener's perspective they will kind of see this this odd arc throughout the whole thing in that it starts off like i'm quite reticent to watching them at the beginning whereas now i'm a bit more like i've got i've I've learned to love him in a weird way (laughs) i I had a few years ago i had the same fascination with jean-claude van damme Mm. and i watched almost everything he'd done and i I, and to this day i find it fascinating that he is still an appalling actor 30 plus years after he made his first films and there's like if you were at any job for thirty years and you're as shit on day one as you are thirty years later, you you would never have a career. But for some reason, and he's he's genuinely awful. But I, I find I do find these arcs and actors' careers really interesting. Yeah, um, and I, Nicholas Cage is a very I mean it looks like an ECG his line of 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 where his career has been. It's just up and down like mad. And um, but he has always been fascinating to me. Well, I guess it's the thing as well that, like, you just don't know where it's going. It is, it is a pinball career, and you just don't know where, like, where what what's going to happen next. So, like, I, I think the last film, like, that got filmed before lockdown that, like, will be coming out at some point that Nicolas Cage did, it's called Willy's Wonderland, and he plays a silent character who's a janitor for a, um, like, an amusement arcade, and all the animatronics come like are demonically possessed and come to life, and he has to kill them. And it's like, well, like that sounds fucking great. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, and it's like, I, I don't, I feel like we're on, and yeah, obviously his casting as uh, Joe Exotic for a 
like eight part limited series. Which, yeah, and that's quite a big deal, isn't it? That's not like that's HBO or someone, isn't it? That's a big yeah, yeah. It's it's and it's the thing. It's Nicolas Cage's first like step into like the TV arena. Yeah, but 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 in terms, of it's you know, it looks like it's going to be a prestige type of project. And it, it's interesting to me that especially after he makes quite a lot of films like this, Southern Fury, how he's perceived by the industry, and he he's he seems to be able to to sort of straddle both things where he'll make crap like this. But then, you know, Disney will still want him for maybe another Sorcerer's Apprentice movie or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's just, he, he, even around the time he was making, yeah, The Sorcerer's Apprentice, like, and like, I feel like G-Force came out of the same year as Bad Lieutenant. And it's like, they couldn't be, they could, <laughs> do you know what I mean? They, they're, like, I'm stretching my arms out now. They're f- so much further apart than that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, you've got, you got one for the kids, and then you've got one for like, the dad's gonna watch, and if he hears his wife coming down the stairs, he's gonna change the channel. Do you know what I mean? Like, what? what why are you watching a film where Nicolas Cage is like wanking off, like outside of a car? Like, that's, uh, too much. I thought it was G Force. Yeah. So, so I guess, I guess for the listeners, that will be the the ninetieth time they've heard me explain why I'm doing. Oh, this, you can but... cut that out then. That was just for me. No, 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 no. It's it's it's, it's perfect. Uh, let's really drill it home to you. You guys, you fucking know why I'm doing this, and I'll tell you until the fucking cows come home. Uh, <laughs> um. So, yeah, that feels like uh, a perfect place to leave it because uh, my my mind is uh, uh, I don't know, rot- rotting by the sounds of it, but. Uh, <laughs> So where can people keep up to date with what you're doing? And yeah, where can people find out about... Well, uh, I'm not doing anything, but I am on Dan Thomas Comedy on Twitter. And I, I, when I first started doing podcasts, I would also tell everyone what my Instagram was. But my Instagram has become very much a personal Instagram of just pictures of the kids and pizzas. So um, don't bother looking that up. It's not <laughs> of any interest to you. But Dan Thomas Comedy is where you want to be. When this goes out, I will be deep into writing a radio sketch show for BBC Radio Wales called Welcome Strangers, which will be available on iPlayer if you're not in Wales, and that will probably be in January. So, you know, just to, just put that out there. I think the first series is, is already on iPlayer. If you want to give it a listen, Welcome Strangers, it's a very funny sketch show um, that I helped out on. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that a bit of a push. Perfect. And, yeah, you can be found... Uh incrementally on smash pod as well you seem to be different yeah me and john and and uh and it's such a weird tuesday night we do a patreon one every tuesday we would just watch a shit film this has become a lot in life over the pandemic is watching shit <laughs> films and talking about them um so every tuesday we do a patreon thing where we it started off when we just listened to we were just watching dan Aykroyd movies now we're watching any old fucking crap but it's john who is obviously a writer about films me a comedian and Dean, who is a lapsed comedian, who is also one of the world's most respected neuroscientists, talking about shit films. That sounds absolutely perfect. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast to talk about this kind of this car crash of a film. Yeah, next time maybe a good one. Well, we can only hope. And there we go, guys. There was my chat with Dan Thomas about Southern Fury, a film that very much can get in the bin. However, if you feel differently 
to me and Dan. If this is your favourite Nicolas Cage film, if you feel like we got it massively wrong and you want to get in touch to let us know, please do get in touch with the podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, all at Caged In Pod. Or if you want to go a bit more long form, you can always drop us an email, which is cagedinpod at gmail.com. If this is your first time listening and would like to help out the podcast, there's so many different ways in which you can. And the first one is simple, free and easy. And that is to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcatcher you are listening to this on right now. The second one, also free and easy. Share this on your social medias or let somebody you know who may be interested in this podcast about it. You never know, this might be their favourite podcast. The film we're covering next might be their favourite Nick Cage film. However, if you'd like to support the podcast more of a financial capacity, you can also do that, which is quite simple. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash caged in pod and sign up. Uh, I'm yet to... Well, I've got, I've got some, yeah, I've got some benefits on there uh, that are pretty fun, pretty stupid. Head on over there, check out what they are. But in the near future, there will be bonus episodes as well as early access to episodes that are recorded and in the bank. And you don't get any of this intro, outro stuff. You kind of just get the raw chat between me and my guest. I imagine if you're over there, you don't really need a refresh on the format of the podcast. Another way in which you can support as well is to head on over to cagedinpodcast.limitedrun.com and get one of the fantastic art prints that was uh, illustrated and designed by Tim Hornsby, an amazing friend of mine and also a comic book illustrator who's just made this amazing fun fantastic design and yeah they're limited to 100 uh they're selling i wouldn't say they're selling fast but they're selling uh and all of that helps support anything that needs to go on this podcast any broken equipment anything like that or just hosting it just and yeah just keeping me sane i don't have to worry about all that bit and i can just focus on booking fantastic guests chasing down amazing people to have interviews with so if you can spare any pennies i know times are very tight this year everything will be very much appreciated uh i should probably say now as well before i tell you who's coming up next week that there will be a very special halloween episode of the podcast so please 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 do keep an eye on the social medias because that is announced that it's up there and i will be kind of talking more and more about that as it gets closer to halloween as for next week's episode i will be looking at the 2017 film mum and dad directed by previous guest of this very show director brian taylor and to join me to talk everything mum and dad i will be joined by Daryl Bear of Sudden Double Deep. And if you're not listening to those guys, I really, really, really recommend listening to them. They take a film that is linked by a single word, 
hence the title of their podcast, Sudden Double Deep Impact. You get, you, you, you get the gist of it, but me and Daryl had a fantastic talk about everything, mum and dad, and in the meantime, until next week, if you kind of want to get a tease for that, head on over to their podcast and listen to their episode talking about mum and dad. I can assure you that the conversations are vastly different. Me and Daryl go into totally different weird spaces and obviously there's things that come from my brain that those guys didn't get. There's stuff that comes from Daryl's brain that through the conversation we had spark up all these different avenues of conversation. So please don't feel like you have to pick one or the other as they are vastly different conversations as always i have been petrus pat syllabus i have been caged in you've been amazing thank you for listening catch you next week perfect hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 